Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. So SCOTUS is a little busy this summer. I had this plan. Remember when I had this plan at the beginning of summer that we would discuss all this sort of cool historical stuff about SCOTUS? And I've realized that's going to all have to be in August because right now they just keep talking about stuff and they keep coming down with rulings and all of it's interesting. And I want you to explain all of it to me. Okay. No, you, you are right. I mean, in, 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 in your comments about the Supreme Court being busy, uh, point to uh, kind of sort of uh, 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 one of those uh, historic, uh, historical uh, facts, if you will, about the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court tries to end uh, a term by the last week of June. And that may not happen this Supreme Court term because the court, like many government offices, businesses, okay, et cetera, uh, had their work kind of sort of delayed or suspended because of the pandemic. They had covetous interrupticus, <laughs> That's right. as it will be known in Latin many <laughs> yeah. years from now. Yeah, right, okay. Uh, the history books will go ahead and say, <laughs> well, 2020, it was an interesting year, yeah. okay? Oh, you know what? So many things are going to get a little asterisk. Yeah, right. Like, like I took a, a quiz the other day. Um, I belong to a quiz site, which is completely irrelevant, except that I take a quiz every day for fun. And it was, who is the winner of the NAACP tournament for 2020? It's a trick question. There was no NCAA tournament this year. No. And I was like, who won? I was trying to think, right? I was thinking, wait, 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 shouldn't I know this? Because my people are from basketball country. Yes. Yes. I'm from North Carolina where we believe strongly in the orange ball of doom. So, (laughs) so I I was struggling and then I finally put nothing or no one. And that was the correct answer. I was like, Oh good. I mean, good that I figured it out. But, but then I was like, Oh, see, that's going to be a little asterisk in the book when they have all the NCAA winners, there'll be year not played. Yes, the way World War II did that for for a lot of things, Olympics and stuff like that. Yes, COVID. COVID I mean, yeah, and you've already you know mentioned um, you know how your baseball season. Oh uh, yeah, okay. I mean, and you know, as we are recording today, okay, the divide between the owners and the uh, uh, Major League Baseball Players um, uh, Association, their union. The, the divide, okay, is huge. I'm not entirely sure there's going to be a baseball season. But, and, and, you know, you know and it, typically this time of year, we're already, you know, you know, two and a half months into the season. April, you know, it starts the first week of April, sometimes the last week of March. But the first week of April, okay, you know, we're oh, to spring ha- training. Is uh, spring training in April? Uh, no, spring training is in late February in March. Oh, okay. okay. The season starts in April. We're already had two and a half months in. The The storylines, the trend lines have already begun. Okay, I already have the MLB, you know, cable baseball package to where, you know, every night I'm watching five or six games after my daughter goes to bed and it's background noise while I'm grading and writing lectures. Okay, 
I have this huge void in my life, right? Okay, I'm like, there is no baseball, right? So are the players, I'm sorry, I know we're, we're going to talk about other things, but are the players and the managers having trouble deciding whether to hold the games without fans in the stands? Well, Because I know that some sports, like NASCAR has been doing that. They've been holding races yes. with no fans in the stands, yes. That's but they still televise them yes. so people can still, I mean, so the season is still going on. Those drivers are all still driving and yes, they're yeah. still getting their yeah, points. They're having races, yeah, all right. Uh, the issue for in baseball is um, uh, the owners have basically gone ahead and said, um, if we hold games, We've been told by public health officials we can't have fans. But without fans, we've, we lose a significant amount of revenue. Ah. Okay? We can't afford to hold games without fans. Fans. So the owners have said to the players, uh, if we do have a season and we're playing in empty stadiums, you guys are going to have to take reduced salaries. And the players ah. have said – we came to an agreement in March when the pandemic first hit that um, our salaries could only be reduced to a certain amount. The owners have said that March agreement had a big asterisk, okay, or, you know, in the language of legal documents, fine print that said we could revisit, you know, play or pay if games are without fans. And the players' union is just like, well, that's non-negotiable, okay? And we're ready to play right now. So if you give us two or three weeks to have a second spring training, or in this case, summer training, we would be ready to start like the first week of July. We could have the regular season through September, and then we could have playoffs. And by the way, playoffs are where the owners make a whole bunch of money. But these oh, the tickets for playoffs are unbelievably expensive. Unbelievable. And, and they're on some sort of lottery system. Like, you can't even get them. Yes, right? I yeah. mean, you know, my, uh, me and uh, my colleague, buddy, Chris Saladino, uh, we got tickets uh, the last time the Yankees were in the World Series in 2009, okay? And we paid an exorbitant amount of money <laughs> just to sit, okay, in the outfield bleachers. And we were so happy about it, right? <laughs> that was before you had a kid in a college fund. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, uh, so you know, this, is, this comes down to money, okay, as it frequently does. Um, the only unfortunate thing is, you know, uh, 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 interest in baseball um, among the American public um, has declined over the last 10 to 15 years. Um, compared to interest and participation in other sports, soccer, basketball, okay, extreme sports, okay, make, you know, interest in baseball, okay, uh, as a recreational sport, et cetera, has begun to decline. Um, fewer Americans are interested in sitting, sitting you know, in, uh, a stadium and watching a game that takes three hours where there's a lot of downtime in between pitches and swings of the bat. I mean, the American population's, you know, if you will, interest attention span has changed. So if they don't have so a, this could kill baseball, this could seriously hurt baseball as an industry. 
Uh. Okay. And as somebody like me, you know, you know me, I think there's plenty of fault to go on for both sides. All I know is, okay, it really looks bad when billionaire baseball team owners are in a fight with a whole bunch of millionaire players. Right. I mean, because when right. you- Everybody there could afford to take a cut. But- and, and get baseball back going again. But when, you know, the unemployment rate in the United States right now is well over 14%. Yeah, it's pretty hard to swallow. I need, I need my $8 million to play baseball. Baseball. I'm playing. When, you know, yeah. coal miners are like, really? Right. I mean, yes. and people who are out of work who are having to live in their friends' basements are going, really? really? That's really? what you're fighting about? You have the working poor going back to work and putting their health at risk. Right. Okay. And you guys are not willing to go ahead and show up at an empty stadium. Okay. To go ahead and swing a bat at a little ball. You got to be kidding me. Right. And that's what I'm afraid of. That's what I'm afraid of. Well, that kind of thing does kill a sport because people get peeved. Yes. Right. I, I, you know. It's, I mean, it's insensitive. It's what it is, is insensitive. It's insensitive yes. to the, to the current way people are struggling. Yes. Yeah. But anyways, back to the Supreme court. It's been a busy week. Yeah. What's going on They're They're just, it's like, they're going ruling, ruling, like, um, you know, <laughs> left and right. They're just throwing them over their shoulder. Like, woo. Uh, what is up with this? Is this, but it's always this way, right? And I just never noticed because until now we weren't doing a po- podcast about the Supreme Court. Court, yeah. I mean, we, yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, as my colleague Judy Twig has, has, has described it, the, uh, the month of June is like the Super Bowl. It's like Christmas Day for Supreme Court, okay, you know, fans and constitutional law scholars. Because the Supreme Court, okay. <laughs> when the rest of the world has slowed down for the summer and yeah. taken the month of June more or less mentally off, right? Uh-huh. Lots of people are on vacation. School lots of people up. Academic, academically wise, you know, with us in the university, this is the time when you start saying things like, oh, I'm going to get to all the projects I didn't get to during the school year, right? Oh, yeah. I'm going to build my online class. I'm going to build research guides. I'm going to do all that stuff. The Supreme Court's like, oh yeah, by the way, we're actually hustling out all our work now. <laughs> yeah. So, hey media, you <laughs> might not want to take a, you might want to take a nap in May because we're going to be seriously hitting you in June. June, right? With all of this, like you never, I, I, I love the commentators on television who talk about the Supreme Court because you don't see them for months at a time and then when you see them yes, yes. when these big things come down they look like they haven't slept in three days because they've been reading all the all the opinions and doing all that stuff and and they look exhausted and I'm sure they're just thinking just let me get through till July just let me get through till July <laughs> right, okay. although this year I suppose it'll be more like August right it, uh, the the projection of, of 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 most of us who follow the Supreme Court is the Supreme Court won't finish up their terms work in pro- until probably the second week of July, the second week of July. So they'll have a shortened summer yeah. vacation from when they usually. Yeah, I mean, right now they're right. They'll come back in September like yes. normal. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. They've already begun to set um, uh, the. Uh, 
uh, hearing schedule for October and November. So unless we get a second wave of the pandemic, and even that may not affect uh, oral arguments in October and November because the court has demonstrated that it can now, do okay, online. they can do teleconferencing, okay? No Zoom, no Zoom meetings yet for the Supreme Court justices, okay? But anyways, so this week, the court goes ahead and hands down the Bostock case, which in a previous podcast episode uh, we have discussed, okay? Um, and that was about uh, does uh, Title VII prohibit discrimination of uh, uh, LGBTQT individuals in the workplace, okay? Right. But also this week, okay, uh, the Supreme Court went ahead and rejected a number of significant appeals, okay, which I'm going to get to in just a moment. The court also issued a ruling that is of direct interest for those of us who live in the Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, the Appalachian Pipeline case, okay? And in a separate podcast episode, which uh, we will uh, uh, deal with, um, uh, 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 the Supreme Court went ahead and ruled that the Trump administration's uh, rescission of the uh, DACA program, Deferred Action Against Childhood Arrivals program, uh, did not follow uh, administrative law principles. That's yeah, we're we're going to devote an entire, episode. Um, just for listeners, we're going to devote an entire episode to that, not just because of DACA, but also because of administrative law, yeah. understanding what what they rejected and how they rejected it. Um, because there's a lot of nuance in that case, and we want to devote an entire episode to that. So, Whoa. so can we pick pipeline first? Sure, we can. Okay. So that was a kind of a blow to environmentalists, right? Yes, it was. Yes. Okay. So basically, uh, uh, the case concerns a pipeline um, that is uh, uh, being proposed uh, to be built that would basically uh, go through central Virginia, okay? Uh, it's a, a, a natural gas pipeline. Uh, it would go through central Virginia, and I believe wind its way to West Virginia and down into North Carolina. I mean, it's a really, you know, odd-shaped path for a pipeline, right? Part of the pipeline, Nia, would uh, uh, go through land um, that is owned by the federal government, okay? And the uh, question that arose in the case was uh, the National um, uh, uh, Forest Service went ahead and said that the pipeline could go across that federal land. Environmentalists said the National Forest Service didn't have the authority to grant those waivers. Okay, so the case uh, uh, was uh, first heard in federal district court uh, here, interestingly enough, in the city of Richmond, um, and then it was appealed to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, um, which also has uh, <laughs> a court uh, house <laughs> just down the road, okay, uh, in downtown Richmond, and the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals said um, that the uh, natural, uh, natural, uh, National Forest Service didn't have the authority, that the Congress actually gave that authority to a different federal government agency. 
Um, and the pipeline produ uh, 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 makers, if you will, the producers, uh, appealed to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the pipeline, okay? It's a significant defeat for the environmentalists, right? Because they basically wanted to go ahead and use the approval process as a way to stop the pipeline, because they argue it's not necessary, one, but two, okay, it would be, it would harm the environment. Right. It would harm the environment, right? Um, and the approval process for things like, you know, gas pipelines, el electrical grid lines, okay, um, it, it's pretty substantial. I mean, if you're going to build a pipeline, you know, you right? There's environmental impact studies. There's all kinds of stuff like that that go into. I know because we, uh, I plug for federal government documents here. Those impact studies are public documents. You can yeah. look at all of the impact studies. So if you live in an area where something like that is happening, listeners, and ask your local library to help you find the, the environmental impact statement, if you can't just locate it on your own, a lot of times you can find them on Google, but if you can't, um, your local library can help you find those because those are federal government documents and they are public. Um, and they have to tell you if something's going to destroy well water or it's going to destroy it. Like, like there's that report is very in depth. They're usually somewhere between 1600 pages. Yes. And depending on what the impact statement concludes, then the agency has to go ahead and state as to why they either agree with the conclusion of the environmental impact study or state why they disagree and are disregarding the impact study. Okay. And that's a, and that's one of the key first steps for any kind of, 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 of project. Okay. That the United States Congress has said, okay, you must have an environmental impact study uh, because we have to determine whether or not it's going to violate or excuse me, contaminate water, land, the air, okay? These are all things that businesses are required by the United States Congress, you know, to satisfy before they can go ahead and, and undertake such a huge project, right? Right. Again, it's just a check against crazed construction yes. that destroys. I mean, it, what we're trying to do is avoid more Superfund sites, frankly. Yes. What trying to avoid is having to clean something up because nobody looked at the impact to see what it would destroy. Yes. You know, so, the, you know, we'd like to avoid another love canal where the thing's on fire, right? Like yeah. we're trying to avoid that kind of thing by having an impact statement ahead of time so that we can understand what the, what the parameters of the project are and should be. Yes. I mean, because, and again, you know, the, the purpose isn't to go ahead and, and stop business. Right. The purpose is to go ahead and make sure that when business expands, okay, it's doing so in a way that doesn't infringe upon something that, I mean, to be quite honest, a whole bunch of us think is important, right? The common well, good. Yeah, the common good, right? Air, water. Water, land. land. Okay, we don't want people to get contaminated, okay, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And in fairness to companies, 
they don't want to pay to clean something like that up after the fact after the fact yeah. so it actually helps them to have an impact statement because it may change how they do the thing they're trying to do it may change how they build something or how you know what materials they use um i mean i, I regularly i know that i come down on the side of co companies are evil but they're not actually for the most part um augie just grinned by the way you can't see his face but i they, they are they don't i think for the most part want to deliberately destroy things that's not one it's not in their economic best interests and two it's not in their brand best interest if you're the if you're p and g right now in california oh my goodness people want to run you out of town oh. and do terrible things to you because you oh. have made such mistakes right and and so i think that there's yeah, I mean, that particular company, the, uh, the, the example you just raised, I mean, earlier this week, I don't know if you saw this, um, uh, uh, the, uh, a state judge uh, held a settlement agreement um, in state court where the you know, top executives of that company had to publicly uh, uh, take responsibility for the fires that occurred um and killed people um you know basically oh. basically wiped out an entire city the campfire the paradise yes. fire all those fires it was okay because they had antiquated equipment which they had been told by state regulators okay if they did not update the equipment would could potentially in the right conditions cause what actually happened well and it's destroyed their reputation Right. Yeah. And no company wants that. No company wants to yeah. be associated. Hence why they drop people who do abominable things that are their spokespeople because yes. they're like, we don't want to be, you know, we don't want to be associated with that. Yes. So anyway, there's the plug for um, environmental impact statements. Okay. So, so the pipeline appeals saying basically, no, we, we dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's properly and the supreme court agreed with that yeah i mean because basically uh the majority opinion written by justice clarence thomas uh went ahead and said that you know and, and again there are certain sub themes that run through a lot of our podcast episodes clarence thomas's majority opinion basically came out and said nia congress was not clear as to which federal agency did or did not have the authority ah okay and the land in question, okay, is in part part of the Department of Interior, but the National uh, Forest Service also has specific authority in regards to the daily management. So, you know, as far as we're concerned, and by the way, the vote in the case was seven to two, okay? Yeah. So, they, I mean, would have, they would have the authority to yes, okay, okay this. And, this and, is not the reason you get to stop the pipeline. Yeah, right. You're going to have to find some other reason, reason environmentalists, because right. they did they did what they were supposed to supposed do. Supposed to do at least per the for, per the federal government. I mean, and interestingly enough, I mean, this is a pipeline project that also has to get approved by three different. I think at least three different states: North Carolina, Virginia, and West Virginia. Right, um, and you know, so you know, basically, what the Supreme Court was saying was. If you are thinking that the 
uh, federal environmental impact statement process is going to be how you stop the project. Yeah, not so fast. But there are other avenues here. I mean, you just mentioned it, Nia, right? right? Okay, there are other ways to go ahead and stop this, including, not for nothing, okay, elect, elected officials who basically go ahead and say, we don't want the project. Not in my state, right? Yeah, not in my state. Figure out how to get that without going across central Virginia. Good luck. Yes. Okay. I mean, yeah. Right. Which would, because isn't the point that it goes out to the beach and then, and then that's how you ship? Yes. It's a shipping pipeline, right? It's. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because the basic idea is we would use the pipeline to go ahead and produce, okay, a quantity of a good that is in demand, not only in the United States, but also around the rest of the world. Right. Okay. Um, so Clarence Thomas wrote the, okay. Yep, Clarence Thomas. write, does, do they all write a fair number of opinions equally or do some write more opinions than others? I'm glad you asked that, Nia. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Do we get do we get a, a lot or do we get very little from some people? Okay. Typically, okay, the, the last two chief justices have instituted a system to where they try to make sure that for each month's set of oral arguments, every justice gets a chance to write a majority opinion. Okay. So, for instance, we already know, <laughs> for those of us who follow the Supreme Court. I was going to say, you already know. Okay. 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 That for those cases heard by the Supreme Court in February, okay, only three justices have not written a majority opinion of those cases that have been decided and made public by the Supreme Court. Ginsburg, Breyer, and John Roberts. So they've got some coming up then. Yes, and we know it's going to be more than likely one of those three because John Roberts, just like his predecessor, his former mentor, William Rehnquist, okay, are huge, big believers in egalitarian opinion assignments, okay? Wait, and he just wrote one in the Newsom. Yes. In the Newsom case, so he will give it He'll make sure that Ginsburg and, and Breyer, and Breyer right. go next. Yes, yes, right? Okay. So, you know, from the April cases where there were oral arguments, okay, we know that there's like four or five cases and we know which justices have not yet produced an opinion. So there's a really good chance it's going to be one of them. Okay. 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 So we hear from them consistently across the board yes you don't get to be all sneaky dodgy and not write no. anything no. but also you don't get to be all gabby i write all the opinions that's right okay, okay now i'm what i'm just talking about there is majority opinions right okay? right you can write a dissent for anything you want to write a dissent yeah, you can write a concurrence okay till you know as many of those concurrences as your you know your heart and your mind wants Right? Okay. Oh, okay. So any other thing other than the majority, they could, you could write every single case. Sure. If you felt fully yourself. Yes. Although eventually your brethren and, oh. and sistren, oh. although that's not a word, but eventually your, your fellow justices would pull you aside and say, you need to stop. Yeah. Okay. Because one, 
that's annoying for us to have to read and respond to this. And two, um, what, you know, are you the smartest kid in the room? Exactly. <laughs> that's how that would come across. You know, what are you trying to show us up? Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I know you think that you're the smartest person here. Let me, let me sit you down and have a conversation. Right? Actually, you'd be lucky. You'd probably be lucky because they would go to John Roberts and they yes. would say, right. Yes. They would say, justice Roberts, you got to take this person aside and yeah. he would take you out to the woodshed and he would have a chat with you about how you're being an obnoxious jerk and you need to stop. Well, I mean, and by the way, the majority opinion assignments, you know, making it, uh, shall we say, more egalitarian, okay, is a result of the behavior of Chief Justice Warren Berger, who was petty. If he ah. didn't like you and he was in the majority, okay, even if you were probably, you know, the best verse justice on a particular area of law, he would skip over you, right? <laughs> and it's so upset the justices. And by the way, William Rehnquist served on the Burger Court. William Rehnquist becomes chief justice. He's like, okay. not on my watch. Not on my watch, okay? And by the way, um, some of the justices who worked for William Rehnquist, whose, shall we say, jurisprudence was greatly different than Rehnquist, all spoke very positively about him as chief justice. And one of the things they pointed to is how he assigned opinions, how he assigned opinions. Cause they were like, he played no favorites. He ran a tight conference. Okay. Uh, oral arguments were done in a timely manner. Okay. Um, he ran an efficient operation and he played no favorites, which for a lot of justices, that's what they're kind of sort of looking for. Because as you just pointed out, they're all smart. Okay. Right. They're all right. smart. Right. If you, I can understand. Okay. You know what? I, I'm going to, oh my goodness. I'm going to put myself in Brett Kavanaugh's shoes for a minute. Yes. So he's <laughs> on the court. Yes. And everything that they touch is exciting to him, right? Because he's new. Yes. And it's all really interesting. And he's listening to all their arguments and he's listening to the oral arguments and he, and he's, you know what I mean? Like I could see where he would want to weigh in on every case because the temptation would be so strong because it is so interesting because the work is so interesting. And then after you've served a couple of years, you start to realize it's always going to be like this, right? Yeah. It's always going to be interesting. We're never going to, we're never going to have cases that you're not going to have thoughts about. And then you either go, Oh, that's why they discourage me from writing on every single topic one well, way or another. You know what I mean? Like, not because, but I mean, I can see his excitement. Like, he wanted to be on the Supreme Court. He wanted to serve in part because he was, he is interested in those cases in a excited level. Like, you know what I mean? But now Gorsuch has been around for a couple of years. Gorsuch is like, you know, it's always going to be like this. And by the time you're Breyer and you're like, dude, every case is interesting pace yourself like <laughs> well you just mentioned gorsuch the the change in gorsuch from year one to year two 
has been noteworthy. Gorsuch gets on the court and he, I mean, he fired off, I mean, some scathing dissents, scathing, okay? Correcting, reprimanding, bordering on condescending of his colleagues. This term, uh-uh, okay? He still will write dissents, but not as many, okay? And the tone has changed. Those, who, you know, who follow the quarter like, oh, yeah, okay? He has now become institutionalized, okay? Whether it's for the reasons you just mentioned or whether or not some of his colleagues pulled him aside or John Roberts put his, you know, arm around his tall shoulders and said, you know, Neil, okay, um, you're going to be here for a while. We're going to be here for a while. You might want to dial back the, okay, I know constitutional law better than the rest of you schmucks, okay, routine, okay, because it gets you nowhere. And oh, yeah, by the way, we all think we know the law better than the rest of the other schmucks. Right. Okay? Well, and I think that's what Kavanaugh is experiencing right now. I think he's experiencing his first... Oh, yes. First full tour. Right. His first flush of, yes, I have, a, I have thoughts about all of it. Yes. And I, at some point, I suspect that what happens is they pull you aside and say, you know, your thoughts aren't that thoughty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you're just not that. The, we're all smart here. We all have things to offer. You are not reinventing the wheel. Right. The wheel's already been invented. Okay, and all we are doing is making sure that the wheel turns over. Okay, right. so you put your shoulder on your part of the wheel. Okay, and we'll do the same. Okay, and we'll get along so much better, Brett. <laughs> okay. okay, so we have the pipeline case. Okay, so the Supreme Court decides the pipeline case. But in addition to deciding that case, on the same day as Bostock and the uh, uh, Appalachian Pipeline case, the Supreme Court denied a whole bunch of appeals, okay? And into basically three broad categories. One, which we talked about in a previous podcast episode, the Second Amendment. They rejected all 10 wow. <laughs> Second Amendment cases, right? We don't want to talk about this at, at all. all. Right. Okay. I remember because in that episode, I think either has aired or will air very soon, um, was the was the idea that timing is a is important um, and wording is important, but also equalizing the the enforcement across the lower courts is important. So apparently what they decided was none of that is important right now. We, let's, let's just, uh, oh, oh, can I say it? Can I be the one to say it? Let's dodge a bullet. <laughs> yes, okay. but no, but Sorry. I mean, seriously, I mean, for whatever reason or reasons, okay, this, I mean, the, the Supreme Court, okay, is almost going out of its way to avoid the Second Amendment, right? Well, yeah, if they have 10 cases and they don't take any of them. They don't take, well. That's I mean, pretty case avoidant. Okay, yeah. I mean, and in, 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 as we discussed in the other podcast episode, they only, they, they've only scheduled for oral arguments one Second Amendment case. That was earlier this term, and they went ahead and mooted it. 
they went ahead and said that the you know city of New York went ahead and changed their law, so there's no longer a constitutional issue here. Okay, see ya, bye bye. Right? So, you know, we have now 10 years, okay, of all kinds of gun laws and pushbacks by, you know, gun rights groups. Okay, I mean, this stuff is going on. I mean, this is a huge public policy issue, right? You got people who are saying, you know, guns are a public health issue. You have other people who say, no, okay, this is an individual liberty issue, okay? And the justices of the Supreme Court are like, yeah, we ain't touching that. Yep. Hey, we ain't touching it. And whether it's an election year and we don't want to get involved or whatever the case may be, okay, we ain't touching it, right? Okay, and in particular for conservatives, they are really upset because they're like, hey, wait a minute here. We got John Roberts, we got Sam Alito, we got Clarence Thomas, we got Brett Kavanaugh, we got Neil Gorsuch. At what point are they going to go ahead and say, our rulings in the Second Amendment precedent cases from 2008 and 2010 actually mean states and the federal government can't screw with gun rights. So conservatives are just like, you know, right? you know they're just like, you know, we work so hard to get these justices and then they won't even take the cases. What's wrong with them, right? See our court packing episode. Yes, see our court packing episode, right? So the court goes ahead. So they, and, so they joined all those cases and then said, we're not going to hear any of them. Yep. They went ahead, you know, yeah. Nope. Go yep. away. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. And we're actually going to talk about this issue in more depth in a future podcast episode. There were also at least nine appeals. Okay. Challenging. Okay. Qualified immunity given to either police officers or government officials. And, uh, and we're going to get into this in more depth. But qualified immunity basically uh, says that a government official, okay, can not be sued, okay, uh, for violating somebody's uh, civil rights if at the time of their behavior, okay, you know, they basically followed existing, if you will, law, okay? You know, that's basically qualified immunity, right? Okay. Now, this is a huge issue, right? Because in regards to police officers, one of the complaints is that many of them are getting qualified immunity, okay, all the time by the lower federal courts. Regardless of the actual circumstances yes. of the events. and yeah, That's right. right, okay? And as we will also discuss, at least two of the Supreme Court justices in the last three years have openly said, we need to revisit qualified immunity, right? But not now. Okay. And when we're talking about the two ends of the ideological spectrum of the Supreme Court, Sonia Sotomayor on the liberal side and Clarence Thomas on the conservative side. So, you know, it looked like some momentum was building, right? I mean, and let's face it, there were nine appeals. Nine, right? <laughs> I mean, that's not, an inco- that's not an inconsequential number, right? right? And clearly the clerks thought that that should go forward because it like, may- here's nine, co- nine cases about this. We, yes. Something should be settled here. 
Yes, it got on the Supreme Court's conference discuss list, which, you know, as we discussed in a previous podcast episode. It's like winning the lottery. Yes, you got to get on the discuss list. If you don't get on the discuss list, it ain't going to happen, right? It gets on the discuss list. They held it over for like three or four weeks, and then they just went ahead and, you know, blase announced. Yeah, yeah we're not going to hear that. Yeah, we have word. I'm telling you, he's got a big stamp with red ink that's that says denied. And he takes your case and he goes, kathunk. You're talking about Chief Justice John Roberts. Yes, kathunk, denied. <laughs> and then he puts it in the denied pile. And then some poor person has to go out and make that announcement to the to the waiting news media. Yes. Oh, and by the way, why? And they and the news media will say, "Why did they deny it?" And they'll say, "Oh, they didn't give a reason." Did they don't. Have, a reason? Yeah, that's right. They don't. Yeah. So they <laughs> they didn't give a reason. Well, that's incredibly unsatisfying. Uh, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. really, nine cases they just denied it, but they didn't give a reason. And I'm assuming it's because it's too much of a hot potato in this particular environment right now. It, it, it could be, or you know, and again, we've discussed it. Or maybe the, they don't like the way the cases. Maybe there was something sketchy about the cases yes. that would have made it not what they wanted to actually yes. talk about. The yeah. nuance wasn't quite right. Or, or you know, just think about this. Maybe the other justices don't think it's an important issue. I don't, we don't know because they don't tell oh. us. You know, it's like, you know, your parents say, because I told you so, and you're just supposed <laughs> to accept it. You're like, because I said denied. Why? Because <laughs> I said denied. Oh, Okay. You're just going to repeat that. Okay. Yes. I mean, that, I mean, it was unsatisfying as a kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm pretty unsatisfied with it now, I, I will say. Okay. And the last thing the court did uh, earlier this week um, was uh, deny uh, the Trump administration's challenge. Uh, um, uh, or the, the, the Trump administration wanted to overturn uh, a Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruling that said their efforts to punish sanctuary cities was illegal and unconstitutional, <laughs> okay? So basically, the Supreme Court, okay, has ratified what a number of lower federal courts have said, which is the Trump administration wanting to punish states or localities that provide sanctuary for uh, undocumented or, you know, illegal immigrants, okay, is unconstitutional. And basically what the Trump administration has attempted to do is to say to those states or localities that have sanctuary policies, if you don't work with federal officials on identifying and um, uh, uh, jailing illegal immigrants, we're going to take away some of your federal money. And what those states and localities have uh, argued in court, and they've won in every case with the exception of, I think maybe a third circuit court of appeals ruling is the Trump administration is acting illegally and unconstitutionally, okay? Um, but, the, the, but the federal government can withhold Okay, but the right because isn't that how they got seatbelts in with like sand with like North Dakota was they would say, all right, well you don't have to adopt the seatbelt law, but we don't have to give you any money to fix your roads. Okay, but 
But in that Supreme Court ruling, South Dakota versus Dole, where the uh, 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 federal highway bill uh, that uh, was signed into law by Reagan, okay, that federal highway bill said if you wanted to receive all of your transportation, highway transportation monies, you had to raise the speed limit to six, uh, uh, or lower the speed limit and raise the drinking age. Oh, right. Sorry. Okay. Not seatbelts, drinking age. Okay. And what uh, the Supreme Court said was, as long as Congress can show a, uh, a nexus, as long as the political branches can show a nexus between the law or the regulation, okay, um, and, and what they want to do, okay, and the problem for the Trump administration is, where's the nexus between forcing state and local officials to do their immigration enforcement work and the money they wanted to take away? Because in some cases, the Trump administration has wanted to take away federal uh, 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 crime uh, uh, money, okay? You know, money that's uh, given to state and local police departments which, by the way, has also become quite controversial because a lot of that money is used for, you know, heavy weaponry, tanks, SWAT teams, paramilitary activities, etc. Armor. Armor. But the Trump administration and what the, 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 the courts have said is, where's the nexus between immigration and policing? Oh, I see. Okay. So the two things have to be causally related. Yeah. Transportation money and transportation laws, laws are causally related. That's right. There is a nexus there. Okay. okay. So what they're saying is it, now, if what you were taking away was somehow money that, that supported some immigration thing, you know, program policy within the state or a local government. Then you might then, be able to say you yes. can take away that money. Yes. But you can't just take away, like you can't just take away farm subsidies That's from right. California because yeah. you want to punish. I see. Okay. Yes. Okay. Where, so I see what the court, the court is saying. These two things are not related. That's right. And if you can show us how this punishment is related to what you want people to do. Yes. Then we will allow it. And here, here's the other thing, Nia. The lower federal courts have also relied upon a series of federalism rulings. Okay. Were, well, I was thinking it's a states' rights issue. I mean, okay, part but of that is there you, you go. The there conservatives you. would be annoyed by the idea that states should be allowed to control within their borders things like a sanctuary city you, without you are, federal intervention. And, and now you are now you've touched upon the other justification that the lower federal courts have said Trump administration's sanctuary cities policy is unconstitutional, not illegal, but unconstitutional. And what they've relied upon is a couple of uh, Supreme Court rulings decided five to four in both cases, okay, by the conservatives. And by the way, liberals hated them when they were announced, okay? But now, okay, states that are generally pretty liberal, controlled by the Democratic Party are like, yes, we now are big fans of federalism. I'm, I have decided that there's no such thing as a political party. 
<laughs> because every time that I think a thing falls under a political party, then I then I figure out no, it doesn't. It could easily fall under the other political party. Like everybody wants states' rights at certain times, and everybody wants federal rights at certain times, and it's all. I'm not entirely certain. There's a huge amount of difference between the parties as far as things like that are concerned. No, it, it just depends on what what policy issue you're talking about. Exactly. What's the difference between the parties is emotional, not <laughs> legal. Okay, it, it's what scholars refer to as fair weather federalism. We yeah. love it. We love it when it's to our advantage. <laughs> We hate it, okay? Exactly. And doesn't the, is it the 10th Amendment that says anything not enumerated? Yes. Is, okay. It goes to the states? Yes. It's under the state's jurisdiction? Yep. It's reserved to the states or to the people. Yes. So, okay. I mean, so you get that whole, uh, people yes. pointing to that and saying, hey, well, there's and nothing in, in the Constitution that says blah, well, blah, in, blah. Well, in particular, what the lower federal courts of Sydney is, Okay, and this touches upon the two Supreme Court precedents, um, uh, uh, Murphy versus uh, the NCAA, or NCAA versus Murphy, no, Murphy versus the NCAA, and then the Prince case, okay, which was the Brady handgun case. In both of those decisions, the Supreme Court said, the federal government cannot commandeer state government officials to do the work of the federal government, Okay. And basically what these lower federal court judges have said is Trump would like local and state police departments to act as ICE. Yes. To, uh, ah. yeah, to, okay, to do the work of immigration and customs enforcement. And according to Supreme Court precedent, okay, of your beloved conservative justices, that's unconstitutional. <laughs> and so they upheld that. The cons the, the, yes. The, Yes. I what mean, was the vote? What was the vote on that? Uh, well, because uh, you'd think that in this instance it'd be nine to zip, right? Because you'd okay, think that the no, conservatives yeah. would be saying no, but, it's the states' rights issues, and no, the liberals yeah. would be saying yay, protect. Yeah, they didn't take the case. They denied the Trump administration's appeal. Oh, okay. So basically, the lower federal court rulings stand. Okay. Right. So, well, but I'm saying, what I'm saying yes. is, oh, yes. oh, I see. Yes. Without holding a vote, they essentially yes. held a vote. Yes. They, they said, yeah, they we're basically, going with the conservatives. Yeah. I mean, because if you think about it, the conservatives didn't want to touch this case because it would have forced them to go ahead and reconsider, okay, the, uh, the, the Murphy and the Prince rulings. The liberals didn't want to take the case because the outcome in the lower federal courts was it's to their advantage. Yes. Oh, man. So they were all like, well, the problem is we would all have to reverse ourselves. Yes, yes, yes. And none of us want to do that. So no. instead, we will get out that big red stamp and we will yell denied as we stamp it down. Yes. And then, it, and then because they do that, the lower court ruling stands which means the conservatives dodge having to change their position and the liberals dodge having to openly agree with conservative principles. That's right. <laughs> That's clever. I keep saying it. It's like this guy, justice Roberts knows what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, the chief, the chief justice. Okay. And institutionally. Okay. The court. Okay. 
I mean, if you think about the rulings this week, right now, okay, the court doesn't look conservative. With the, with the exception of the Appalachian Pipeline ruling, the Supreme Court this, this week looks like it's still controlled by liberals. Right. Okay, even though five of them were appointed by Republican presidents. Conservative commentators, the, you know, the conservative- Oh my gosh, is, the, okay. they must be going bonkers. Oh, they're bonkers, right? Some Poor of them- Tucker have, Carlson, he's just losing hair by the clump, isn't he? Okay, some of them have referred to this week as either Blue Monday or Blue Week, you know, because what's the color of the Democratic Party? Right. Okay, that's, what the, that's how they're describing it, right? We have a senator from Missouri, what's his name? I think it's Holly, Josh Holly, who's gone ahead and said, okay, uh, uh, being a conservative uh, legally, constitutionally uh, means nothing because of the Roberts courts the Roberts court. We've spent all this time trying to go ahead and appoint conservatives. Okay. And it gets us nowhere. I mean, he said it on the floor of the Senate, right? This is a conservative Republican from the state of Missouri. And he's just like, this court packing thing isn't working. It is. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he said. Yep. I mean, essentially, Essentially, translate that to this court pack thing isn't working the way we thought it was. Yeah, that's That's right. We thought it would. Well, in, in this case, that will be interesting to see if Mitch McConnell is held responsible for that in any way. Yeah, I wonder if his I, fellow conservatives yes, yes, say you yes. played this all wrong. I mean, I mean, in Trump yesterday after the uh, DACA ruling, I mean, he just doubled down. He just came out and said, "I need to appoint even more conservatives." Didn't he come out with another list, another one of his lists with another group of people who he wants to? Like, you know, he's using that as leverage in the, in the election campaign. Yes. He's saying, if I get a chance, if one of these, one of these folks leaves the court for whatever reason, I'm going to pick one of these people from this list. Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, it, 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 I mean, and, and again, okay. Although isn't the mark of insanity doing a thing that you've been doing that's not working? I mean, you would think that what he would do is go find the most flaming liberal justice that he could find that also rules pretty independently. Yes. And put them on the court. Like, because it's clearly not working to pick people that you think are conservative. Or how about this, Nia? Okay instead of thinking that the court's going to go ahead and save you, why not come up actually with policies and ideas that you could get a majority of the public to buy into and maybe change the laws? Right. Yeah, it might be that it's time to stop saying we think we're going to try to figure out how to make the court not independent. Yes. Because that's what they've been doing. Yes. I mean, that's essentially what you do when you court pack, right, is you say – Yes. I'm going to make it not an independent branch. And that, yeah. that, for some reason, shockingly, they're resistant to that. Yeah. <laughs> the justices. I mean, so maybe you should stop trying. That's, that's you know, when you, when, when you consist, I don't know if you've ever done this, but when you pet cats and they're ready to walk away, they get up and they walk away. And if you go get them and bring them back to where you are, they get up and they walk away. Like 
all they're doing is exercising you by making you follow them. <laughs> they're not changing their point of view at all. <laughs> That's right. Okay. And so I don't understand why the, why they don't just embrace, oh, we can't, we can't win this game. This game is not winnable for us because these people are, are independent. independent. I mean, and, and I tell my students this, hey, guys, when, when you hear, okay, or read, about how, for instance, the Warren Court, okay, the infamous civil rights revolution on the Supreme Court, when you hear that the court was unanimously in support of what the Warren Court decided, they weren't. I mean, frequently the votes were seven to two, six to three, five to four, okay? I mean, there were justices on the Warren Court who were like, no, this is BS. We should not be doing this. Right. right? Okay. Judicial activism. This is okay. judicial activism. Okay. And uh, in my courts class that I'm teaching this summer and I teach every fall, one of the books I always assign is Noah Feldman's Scorpions. Okay. And in the book, he describes how four of the justices, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt appointed to the Supreme Court. Okay. When they got on the court, they hardly ever agreed. They hardly ever agreed, right? With each other or with President Roosevelt? Well, with each or other. both. Okay, with each other. I mean, Roosevelt liked each of the four for different reasons, huh. right? But nevertheless, they got on the court, and it wasn't like all of a sudden, magically, there was an FDR court, okay? No. While they were on the court, they acted like scorpions in a bottle. They frequently went after each other because they didn't come to agreement, even though the same person put them on the damn court, okay? So there is no guarantees. I mean, I tell my students this all the time. Once a president nominates a person for the Supreme Court and the Senate confirms them, okay, all bets are off. Right. They can do whatever they want, right? Right. Well, Warren... Right. Oh, Warren. I mean, we, yeah. he, wasn't he Eisenhower's biggest, or was it Truman? Sorry. No, no, no. Eisenhower said, you know. In, His in biggest interview, mistake? Yes. Okay. I made two big mistakes as president, and both of them are serving on the Supreme Court. Right. Earl Warren and William Brennan, right? Okay. You can't know yes, how, can well, know. And, and that's the best part of the Supreme Court. Sure. Independence, the idea that what they should, that they should not be bringing their politics into it, that they should be sitting down with a case and saying, what is the law? What is the law here? What, what are we trying? What is the problem we're trying to solve? And just because you acted a certain way before you got on the court, before you became a federal judge, doesn't mean you're going to act that way when you're a federal judge. Robert Jackson a point, you know, he's one of the infamous scorpions from Feldman's book, okay, served in the Roosevelt administration, right? Okay, I mean, he basically wrote a whole bunch of legal memorandums giving justification for Roosevelt to do whatever he wanted as president, <laughs> okay? He then gets on the court, okay, and had no problem ruling against presidents, okay? Well, part of that one must assume is that, and I, I, I think that young Mr. Kavanaugh is finding this out, young Justice Kavanaugh is finding this out as well, is it's a different weight. 
Sure. The 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 weight yes. level of on your shoulders is different in yes. every other court until you get to the last court. Yes. And then all of a sudden you realize we are changing millions of lives. We are I mean we have the potential to our rulings have the potential here to last for hundreds of years change people's lives do all this stuff i suspect that all of a sudden you're like oh oh i i should take this way more <laughs> yeah like even though you've been taking it seriously all along in your career i'm not suggesting that he was lighthearted in his justice in his judgments before that but, I mean, but it's different it's yeah, I mean, different being on the supreme court okay you know it, it's it, it's it's like that scene near near the end of the wizard of oz okay you know, we're not in Kansas anymore, Dorothy. Okay, <laughs> exactly. Dorothy. Okay, we're on the Supreme Court, you know. You know, to go back to earlier in this podcast episode, you know, I was talking about Major League Baseball, right? Right. Okay. Even superstars in Major League Baseball, okay, will say they knew it was different the first time they were at bat in a Major League Baseball game. This is a sport they've been playing since they were five or six years old, right? And all of a sudden they're like, whoa. I'm in the majors. I'm right? in the show. I'm in the show, right? And it's I'm different. In the show and this is different, right? And I either I can step up and do the job or I need to go ahead, go back to the minor leagues because, okay, I can't go any higher, okay? I, I can't go any higher. The stakes are higher. I mean, the Supreme Court has the final word on the meaning of law in this country, okay? If that doesn't give you pause, okay, then you know you you know you're not a human, right? right. Okay, right. you don't you don't have a functional heartbeat, right? <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I mean it's seriously, right? So I mean the, the Supreme Court this week did some really powerful stuff. Okay, a lot of it didn't get covered by the press, but nevertheless, oh my goodness, right? You're just like boom, boom. I mean, I was getting whiplash, you know, you know, reading this stuff. I was just like. Wow. Wow. Really? They didn't take those cases? What's going on? Okay. So anyways. Kicking the can down to the next, maybe the next one, or who knows, it could be years before they hear a yes. case, depending on the right case and the right circumstances. And, and apparently everything in the, all of the planets lining up in one row and all the other stuff that you're looking for, maybe that's, you know, maybe they'll take it. There's a Halley's Comet or a solar. Exactly. Eclipse. Maybe there's something that'll happen. They'll be like, okay, now we'll take the case. <laughs> All right, Nia. Thanks for talking me through it. Yep, sure, no problem. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU libraries. Special thanks to the workshop for technical assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.